If you were present with us this morning, we spent our time looking at Nehemiah, chapters 1 and 2, at a character of a man who understood the importance of facing problems head-on with prayers and plans. And tonight, in many ways, is part two of that particular study as we think about the problems that we encounter and the challenges that we face and the difficulties that come our way as disciples of Jesus Christ. As I said this morning, it would be nice to be able to suggest or teach or at least a hint that because we are Christians, that difficult days become a thing of the past. But we know that there are challenges, trials, tribulations, and difficulties that come our way that we must understand from a Christian perspective in order to better appreciate how we can deal with those challenges and those difficult days. So I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to just look at a verse there in just a moment to set the stage for our study. We're going to spend probably the majority of our time actually in the text that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And you'll see why we're going to spend so much time in that particular passage in just a few moments. Glad to have you tonight. Uh, As always, those of you who are watching from home, unable to be with us, we miss you. We look forward to seeing you back with us as soon as possible. And again, to our visitors, you are our honored guests. And we appreciate the fact that you are here to encourage us. But more importantly, you are here to be engaged in worship to our holy God and to sing about the Lamb of God. When you think about difficult days, there are some facts. Let me suggest to you four introductory facts. Number one, being a Christian means that difficult days are actually quite likely. I've often said in preaching sermons and in one-on-one or small Bible studies that if you want to reduce the difficulties in life, in some ways you don't want to become a Christian But if you want to reduce your difficulties in life, you want to become a Christian. You see, it's trading some challenges for another. When you're not a Christian, you don't have the benefit of of prayer and a relationship with God and a benefit of brethren that are going to be there to help you. But when we become Christians, there are going to be some difficult days that come our way as a direct result of being servants of God. And that seems to be what Paul is writing in to Timothy here very late in his life and probably later in the life of Timothy than anything else that Timothy had been related to. When he says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, not might, but will suffer persecution. And so the fact is, is once we sign up to become a Christian and say, I'm ready to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, there are difficulties that are going to come our way. And that leads us to the letters that Peter wrote in First and Second Peter, where he talks about those particular subjects. And fact number two is that God does not make bad things happen for his amusement. God is not on his throne throwing difficulties your way or my way, saying, let's see how they do with this. And to the angels, he kind of chuckles and says, let's make sure that they have a really bad day today. That's not the character of our God as illustrated in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. A third fact is simply this, and that is God doesn't share his explanations for life's challenges with his creation. 
We know in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45 that he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. That there are good things that happen to bad people. There are bad things that happen to good people. And then there are things that happen to people. (laughs) Whether you're good or bad or anywhere in between. So we've got to appreciate the fact that our Lord doesn't necessarily share with us those reasons. We'll talk about Job near the end of our study, and that's a classic example of a person who had challenges come his way, and we have the benefit of reading past chapters 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and on, and we see the whole story, and we see kind of the, the, the curtains pulled back as to the conversation between Satan and God on, on those occasions. But Job didn't have that luxury. He didn't know that everything was going to work out as well as it did in the end. And the fourth and the final fact by introduction is this, and that is God does share stories of challenges or difficulties and provides us with advice for suffering saints in his word. And so we can use his word to help us understand how to deal with those difficulties. There are all types of difficult days, and I don't have to share with you uh, all those, but let me just share with you three or four just by way of introduction. For example, all of us have experienced the death of someone that we have cared about, and that is a challenge to us. That's a difficult day for a disciple. It's a difficult day for anybody. And yes, I mentioned this morning that we should not be overly sad because we have a hope that doesn't disappoint, but it still is sad, and it's okay. So please don't misquote what I said this morning and that it, preacher said, I can't be sad when someone I care about dies. That's not what I'm suggesting. I am suggesting that we must govern that or mitigate that with a sense of there's still hope when I'm going to see them in the life to year to come. But the death of a loved one, especially when it's unexpected, uh, unemployment or employment uncertainty. There are individuals who are here tonight who have had challenges in the past with their jobs, where their shifts have changed, where they have taken a pay cut, or whether they have lost uh, financially, and that is a very stressful thing, as our family stresses. Uh, we have individuals who are here who have gone through divorces, child-rearing, uh, relationships that are difficult, relationships not only with your spouse, but relationships with your children as they grow. And then all of us, as we grow older, have to somewhat deal with health that deteriorates. I say all that simply because there are biblical examples as to how to deal with those things. And I put each of those next to in box number two to the, to the four different examples of difficulties that we face. Simply put, there are a lot of passages that you and I can go to, to for pretty much anything that you see. You know, these days on social media or even pamphlets that are passed out, You have these little memes or these little paragraphs. When in doubt, call this verse. Or when you're worried, dial up this verse. Or when you're angry, look at this verse. And there are a lot of those good resources that are out there on the internet or available in print. And this is just one example of that. Here you have examples of all kinds of individuals who face difficulties. And they are told to us in God's word so that we can better appreciate that we're not the only ones who've gone through it. If all the people in biblical times, Old and New Testaments, had lives that went along uh, just perfectly and never had any challenges, it would be difficult for us to sympathize with them or for them to sympathize with us. But even Jesus was come to this life and came to this earth so that he could 
sympathize with all of our weaknesses and endure in the way that we endure. So I want to just really look at two major points in the course of the rest of our study. And one of those is how do we uh, deal with difficult days and how do we respond to the difficult days versus how we do not respond. But before we do that, I want us to look at the question that comes up so often in Bible study or with people in the world, and that is, why does God even allow difficult days? And this goes back in many ways to Deuteronomy 29, 29, which I quoted a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday evening, and I said, there are certain things that are secret that belong to our secret God. I can't tell you every aspect as to why we are allowed to go through difficulties. But the Bible does shed some light and provides for us ways in which he goes about doing that. It seems to me that God gives us his perspective wherein he wants us to appreciate why we go through challenges. Let me suggest to you three reasons that we are going through challenges and I want to, and, and have difficult days and use 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as the text for that. In many ways, you could, and I've seen preachers do this, use this text to do a full-fledged sermon just on these nine verses and talk about the difficult days. But we'll condense it into about 10 minutes here and, and just hit the highlights. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, to me, is the go-to text to really help us understand why God allows difficult days to come. It's not for his amusement, nor is it without his knowledge. He knows those things. So let's read here very rapidly verses 3 through uh, 7, and then I trust that you can remember what was read verses 8 through 11. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now notice what he says here. He says, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, that is, if we have a difficult day, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And verse 7, our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. There's some different terminology used if you're not using the New King James Version, but, this, but, the, but the context there certainly is clear that Paul is saying when you have difficulties, when you have challenges, there are things that you can learn from it and use to better yourself or to better others. Which brings me then to the three major points that I would flesh out in a longer sermon just on this particular text. And that is, number one, our ability to be helpful to others, to assist others with difficulties, is directly tied to our own difficult experiences. In chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says he comforts us in our tribulations so that, verse 4, we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. I cannot sympathize with a lot of weaknesses or a lot of losses that some of you have experienced because of age or because of things that have or haven't happened in my life. But some of you are better equipped 
because of the challenges you faced a dozen years ago to help someone now a dozen years later. I think about my aunt and uncle every time I think about this particular concept, who back in 1993 pulled up uh, towards their home and their 18-year-old son had gone, my cousin had gone riding on a motorcycle. And they pulled up, and there were fire trucks, and there was an ambulance, and there were police cars in their driveway as they were pulling up in the country in southern Indiana. And my uncle got out of the car and went to the police officer, and the police officer recognized who he was, recognized that he was related to Brian, and he says, you can't come any further. And there was something on his face that he knew something bad had happened, and Brian was deceased. He didn't make it. And you know what I've always thought about that? is if you lose a child, I can pray for you, I can pray with you, I can cry with you. But what my uncle and aunt can do is far greater than what I can do. And it's not because of some special talent that they have. It's because they've experienced a loss and a hurt that we don't wish on anybody. But that some of you have experienced, and some of you know what that's like to lose a child, to lose a loved one especially when, as we said, is unexpected. The fact is, is the spread of Christianity is people-driven. And so we as Christians need to be able to identify with non-Christians. And so sometimes the reason that you have a challenge or that you have a difficulty or that you have bad days or really bad days like my family experienced and like so many here have experienced with the loss of a child or some other uh, significant loss is because perhaps it's training you to be able to teach someone, to mold someone, or to at the very least encourage them. Let me suggest to you, secondly, that God allows us to go through difficult days because we are less likely to be focused on ourselves and more focused on God with our reminder of the need for him. Go back to verses 8 and 9 of the text where he says, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, going back probably to Acts chapters 18 and 19. That we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. And why did this happen to us, Paul says in verse 9? We had the sentence of death that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Paul would later state that the thorn that was given to him was for this particular purpose. So that rather than thinking of himself in a higher overtone than he should... He needs to buffet himself, as he would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, govern himself appropriately and remember who he is and who his God was. One of the ways that you can study 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the first 11 or 12 verses, is look for the word that, so that that occurs and this occurs and that that occurs. And that's what we're doing here in the text, which brings us then to a third observation. And that is sometimes God allows us to go through difficulties as disciples because we are encouraged to be more grateful to our Lord. In verse 10, he delivered us from great death. He does deliver us in whom we trust that we will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us so that, there's the word that again, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Note, if you would, the value of communal 
Thanksgiving and what we might learn from that. There are lots of reasons why God might allow difficult days to transpire for us that go beyond the scope of just 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and that go beyond these three very brief points that we spent the last few moments talking about. But what I want to do is I want to spend the last 10 or 15 minutes of our study asking this question, and, and that is, okay, I understand why, but what am I supposed to do with it? How am I supposed to respond to difficult days? Am I supposed to just, like we said this morning, throw up my hands and give up? Or is there something I'm to learn from the difficult days, the challenges that come my way, and to grow therein? As with everything else that is involved in being a Christian or associated with Christianity, the way in which we deal with challenges should be a distinguishing characteristic from us and the world. That is, the world says, look at the horrible things that have happened to me, and the, we are perpetual pessimists, and it reminds me of the, the boy I've told this story before that my mother-in-law told me a number of years ago. It was about the two children. One was the eternal optimist, and one was the perpetual pessimist. And the optimist was a child who everything was great, the pessimist was couldn't find anything right with the world. And so what they did is they decided to buy all kinds of candy and toys for the pessimist to cheer him up and to see if they could get him out of his rut. And he came into his room and he saw all the candy. He saw all the new toys. He saw all the fun things. And he says, what am I going to do with all this? Where am I going to store all this? How am I going to eat all this? What a waste. And that didn't work. So they went to the optimist. They went to the optimist and they said, well, we'll bring him down. We'll bring him down a notch. So get this. They went and they found a lot of horse manure. And they just brought in buckets of horse manure and they stacked it all in his room. And when he walked into the room, they were expecting him to say, what is that smell? And why is this manure in my room? And he walks in and he says, this is the greatest day in the world. And the parents are scratching their heads saying, what is wrong with this kid? He says, well, I figure with all this horse manure around, there's got to be a pony for me somewhere. (laughs) So sometimes perspective matters. And seeing things the way God wants us to see it is the way that we need to be seeing it. Which brings me to these four things that saints should do before we close. Number one, we should be actively thankful for patience, teaching, opportunities. And that is difficult. I'm not suggesting that I have mastered that. But when an opportunity comes your way where there's a setback or a difficult day, kind of like we talked about this morning when we asked for patience, be careful because you might get what you asked for. The fact is, is when something happens, it's an opportunity for me to say, you know what? I'm going to use this to grow my patience. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4 is the classic text. I was just teaching this particular study a couple of days ago to some brethren elsewhere in the world. And he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete or mature, lacking absolutely nothing. 
And again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 comes to mind where Paul talks about that stake in the flesh or that difficulty that came his way, that he would learn patience sometimes the hard way as well. We should be actively thankful for patience teaching opportunities. So when you get a flat tire, when your job causes you to work late, when a difficulty with a brother or a sister in Christ transpires, rather than saying, woe is me, maybe there's an opportunity to learn something, and maybe you've been praying for patience and God is giving it to you in doses that you can handle appropriately. Let me suggest to you, secondly, how should we respond to difficult days? It goes back to one of the major points that we made in our study of Nehemiah this morning, and that is we should worship our God both in prayer and singing and uh, praising our Lord. I want to go back to Job. We have referenced Job now three or four times, but I want to actually go back and read three or four verses here just very quickly. And this is in the section of Job that we are the most familiar with. But in Job chapter 1, I want us to read verses 20, 21, and then chapter 2 and verse 10. And I trust that you're familiar with what happens in the first couple of chapters of Job. Here is a man who is righteous, and Satan basically challenges God and says, the only reason that he does what you want him to do is because you've made life so splendid for him. And if you take away all the splendid protections, the New King James in most versions talk about a hedge of protection. I... Satan says, I'll get him to to break. I'll make it so that he bends. I'll make it so that he disobeys. Well, all these horrible things start happening to him, and including in verse 19, his children are dead, and I alone, this man says, have escaped to tell you. And notice how Job responds in verse 20. He tore his robe. He shaved his head. He fell down to the ground. And if you want to underline the word there in verse 20, He worshiped. And then what did he say? He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then as I quoted chapter 2, verse 10 earlier this morning, he says, you speak as a foolish woman. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? And in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Simply put, We need to be men and women who praise God even when difficult things happen. And so when you lose your job or when your hours get cut or when you get a diagnosis that is not what you wanted, it is an opportunity to say, God, I may not understand why these things are happening, but I want to stop now and thank you for all the good you've done for me. I want to praise you for the good that you're going to do. And, there's, and it's okay to include with that, please be with me in the difficulties that are going forward. But there needs to be a not a sense of, God, why are you making these things happen to me? But rather, God, you are going to bless me significantly. I put this up there because I talked about playing church a couple of weeks ago. But when you think about come to church activities like singing and praying, those are not just, quote, church activities or going to church activities. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you praying outside of this building. And I think we understand that, but it's putting that into action that needs to transpire sometimes more than others. And certainly there's nothing wrong with seeing. Now, your coworkers may not be real wild about it, 
as you're singing there in your cubicle. So you might have to sing a little bit softer or maybe just sing in your head. I've known of people who've been in MRIs, which are a lot of fun, right? And they lay there and they sing songs about God and they sing church songs while they're in their MRI or other medical facility uh, or test. So the point is, is we need to use every opportunity that comes our way to say, God, you're great. You are wonderful and you are worthy of praise. A third thing that we should do when you have a difficult day, the first thing that you should do besides praying is probably reach out to other saints. Don't reach out necessarily to people in the world. Set a good example for them, but reach out to other saints. Not just so that you can be strengthened, but so that you can do what? So that you can focus your attention on them. Isn't that what Galatians 6 is all about? We're going to read three or four verses of Galatians chapter 6 where Paul is writing to these Christians, and he's, he's educating them. Remember that they don't have all the history of the church that we have. They don't have the Bible in a complete form like we have because this is relatively early. And so in Galatians chapter 6, Paul is writing to Christians who are either thinking about giving up or some of them had given up, and they had been trapped into thinking into Judaizing teachers Uh, and uh, Judaizing ways. And he says in verse 1, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And then verse 2, I think, is, is critical, where he says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill Christ's law. If I were to give you a sheet of paper and say, write down what it means to do the law of Christ, there are a lot of appropriate answers that you could write out. You could write out praising God first and foremost. You could write out loving your neighbor as yourself. Those two things are probably going to be somewhere on our list. If you were to tell me, hey, write out what is the law of Christ in a sentence or two, and you didn't give me the context of the sermon that we are studying right now, I probably wouldn't think about Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. But the law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. And that's not just when things are going well for you. Some of the greatest acts of service that I've ever seen Christians participate in are when Christians themselves are really struggling and rather than focusing on their own needs, they say, let me try to help someone else. And what an encouraging thing it is to kind of see that happening. And sometimes you don't see that happening. Sometimes that's a a thing that is left in, in mystery and only the Lord knows. But after all, what people do in secret, the Lord will reward openly, Matthew chapter 6, three different times. But this is Christ's law. Verse 9, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We have a special relationship with one another, do we not? And that when we have needs, we look out for those needs. And as we've said before, and as David said a couple of weeks ago in one of his studies or one of his sermons We do not just wait for opportunities to come our way. We seek those opportunities to do good to others as well. Fourthly and finally, we should engage in, now just hear me out, 
some serious self-talk. You say, what do you mean by self-talk? You mean, so I I thought you're not supposed to talk to yourself. I'm here to tell you that normal people like me talk to ourselves. A couple chuckles there when I referred to myself as normal, I know. But there's something very appropriate about having self-talk. Sometimes there are some studies that have been shown that people that talk to themselves are actually high-functioning individuals. Now, I'm not talking about someone who's lost their mental faculties and now they're, they're, you know, they're, they're doing that. But I'm talking about someone who says, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get this job done. We're going to focus on the mission before us, and we're going to do it. All right, got that? I got it. Okay. God wants us to internalize him and to internalize his word. Psalm 119 is not just known as the longest psalm, though it is with 172 verses that are powerful, but it is also known as the place where it says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, self-talk is not talked about there in verse 11. I, I get that. But it seems to me that one of the things that the psalmist is getting at there is I'm putting it in my heart so that I can talk to myself throughout the day. Do you ever talk to yourself about Scripture? Do you ever sing to yourself songs? Of course we do. Those are things that we do as men and women of faith. Note, if you would, some what I would call helpful self-talk. This is Practical Sunday. I, I started this morning by talking in very practical overtones. We're going to end in very practical overtones as well. Just because I'm suffering doesn't necessarily mean I've done wrong. Now, it is true that in James chapter 1, verse 12, there's a difference in the trials or temptations than the temptations or trials in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. That's a study in and of itself. The point that I'm making is this. You may be facing some real challenges, but they are a result of your righteous example and your righteous living. And he says, if any of you is going to suffer, let him suffer as a child of God, as a Christian, 1 Peter chapter 4. It's one of the three times that the word Christian is used in Scripture. Let me suggest to you, secondly, that I might talk to myself and say, God has blessed me an awful lot. He doesn't owe me a perfect life. So when you have that flat tire, when you get the bad hours, when you get assigned the the terrible shift, when something tragic happens, God doesn't owe me a perfect life. He owes me a life wherein I have the opportunity to serve him, and that's my responsibility to do so. Because all of us, whether you've lost a loved one, a child, or a spouse, or a parent, a sibling, or you've had some sort of financial difficulty that has been serious and has been kind of uh, uprooting in your life, when we've had those things transpire, you can look back and say, well, at least I didn't have the things that happened in Job's time happen to me. At least I didn't have it quite that bad. Let me suggest to you also that Satan wants me to believe that God doesn't care about me. And I'm not going to believe that nonsense. Satan wants you and me to believe and to internalize that because of difficult days that have come our way for disciples, God doesn't care about me anymore. And if we believe that, Satan wins. And we can't allow that to happen. 
And so I use the very scientific word here, nonsense. That's nonsense to suggest that God doesn't care about me. We need to internalize that into our vocabularies and into our ways of thinking. So we will experience difficult days. And I wish I could tell you that that wasn't the case. But God doesn't do it for our amusement. He does it so that we can learn, so that we can grow, and so that we can serve. And we respond by praising him always, thanking him for the challenges, and using it to aid other saints. That's what we want to do tonight. That's what we want to do this week. And that's what we want to do the rest of our lives, is to use the trials and tribulations and the difficult days that come our way and to use it from a Christian perspective. Glad that you're here tonight. Those of you that were here this morning, I understand you kind of got a double dose of these things. I was kind of thinking the same things together in preparing these particular sermons. But I hope that it's been helpful to you. And you may be here, and you may be experiencing difficult days. Do not give up. Do not throw in the towel. Do not grow weary in well-doing, Paul would say to the Holy Spirit. And that is something that we want to encourage you to do as well. Not give up. And there are people who are here tonight that are having difficult days. You've had difficult weeks. And some of you have had some difficult months. And that's not easy. But God cares about you. And the people at Northfield Boulevard care about you as well. And so if we can help you, maybe it's something privately where you want to reach out to three or four sisters or brothers in Christ and say, I'm, just, I'm struggling this month. We're happy to help you. If it's something publicly where maybe you have done wrong and you say, I need some help in order to improve and to do better, we would welcome that opportunity to pray for you. And if you're not a Christian, you don't have the great relationship that comes with being a Christian that is afforded to you. And we welcome the opportunity to help you to become a child of God this very evening or to study with you further. We can assist you, help you in any way. Let us know. While together we stand, while we stand.